Hey, Hound Dogs, I'm David Hankins. And I'm Paul Hankins. And welcome to On the Air with Power Squared. Uh, this week, we're going to look at a couple of things. Uh, first is LA Comic Con, and the other is because we're sitting in front of a Christmas tree, Christmas movies. That's right. That are on Trophy Unlocked. Yes. Which happens to be celebrating an anniversary this uh, the coming weekend, the 18th. It's yeah. How many years old? Uh, it'll be Trophy Unlocked will turn 11 years old. All right. And this is a blog that you started. Yeah. And what, do you want to tell people why you started it? Uh, I I don't think there much thought really. <laughs> uh, I let's see. There was a point where I had uh, an account on another website, and I reviewed stuff on there. And even though I didn't really get much traction, I liked doing it, so I decided to make a dedicated blog for that. Uh, I got the idea well, when we saw Tron Legacy for the first time. In the theater? Yeah. And it was, a, it was like the 17th or the 18th of December, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I remember that that being like a really good weekend. Yeah. Um, and since then, you've got over, th well, Paul, you write on it, Trevor writes on it, and I write on it. Yeah. So, and you have th over almost 1,300? Yeah. And almost 600, or over 600,000 people have visited the site. Yeah. So it's it's... A good deal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's always it's always fun. At least a couple hundred people usually look at it a, a day. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. So before we get into Christmas movies, let's talk a little bit about LA Comic Con. Yes. Uh, which we have never attended before. No. And we decided, you know what, in the middle of the pandemic, let's go into <laughs> a con. I now, think uh, we were we considered scouting LA Comic Con anyway because we were trying to figure out if there are any other conventions we could try to, like, some local at. conventions that we could table at. Yeah. And that seemed like it would be easier to accomplish at LA Comic Con than, like, San Diego Comic Con because San Diego, you've got uh, too much stuff going on and there's, like, way more logistics involved. Plus, it's, like, a couple hours away. Yeah. Um, and we, yeah, we'd never been, um, for whatever reason, I think we were at, after WonderCon and Comic-Con, as far as going to cons, we kind of had our fill, but we yeah. hadn't been to either one in a long time. Yeah. And we also thought, well, yeah, we should check out LA Comic-Con. And they had, I want to say we bought these tickets in 2020 when we thought by now the pandemic will be over. Yeah. I think at that point when we bought the tickets, uh, they were going to because everyone was still way way more concerned about COVID. Like Some of the, us are still or, concerned, well, but yeah, so I know what you're saying. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, when we didn't feel when people generally didn't feel like, oh, we can kind of open it uh, <laughs> pre Omicron. Anyway, when it was just like think the regular variant, uh, they were originally going to do it where you have you have a certain amount of time blocked that you could either, be in there. Either go in the morning or go in the afternoon. Yeah. And we bought tickets where we were going to go in the morning and I th think they this moved at least once since we bought the tickets. Yeah. I, I honestly don't remember exactly the details. Um, and then they opened it to all day. And we honestly didn't spend a lot of time there. We spent a couple hours there but not all day. Yeah. So it's a they're partly because they're worried about oh, okay. Yeah, and yeah, there's no reason to overexpose yourself to something that you don't know what's going on, and maybe they'll find out in a few weeks or months or whatever that it's oh, it's no big deal. But it, you never know. I don't want to be like the guinea pig that finds out. Yeah. 
Um, so it's sort of like WonderCon. Yeah. But I'll say smaller. Would you say? Uh, see. At least this version of it. Maybe when it's not a COVID year, it's a bigger. You know. Yeah. Um, from what I remember, when they had WonderCon at the LA Convention Center, uh-huh. uh, they uh, it was s- sort of the same size. Okay. In uh, terms of space that it took up. Well, I, I remember us being able to. There were some rooms that we couldn't get to because the autograph thing, which was I think downstairs somewhere, but the line was really long, and we didn't want to spend, you know, at LA Comic Con. Yeah. Um, so we don't want to spend the hour or so in line it would take because again exposure and trying to keep moving and all that. Yeah. Um, so what were your general impressions? Uh, LA Comic Con. Yeah. Um, it was probably because I haven't been to a big convention in a while. It felt a little chaotic in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, like. We weren't prepared to do, like, autographs and panels and stuff, but there was already, like, lines and crowds for that. Um, like, we wanted to scout the autograph area, but there was a long line to get in, probably because they were, I'm going to guess, they were, it's either a small area or they were pulsing people in because of COVID. Yeah. Um, the main floor... Um, it wasn't too hard to navigate, though there were definitely certain choke points mm-hmm. around uh, certain booths. Um, I liked that there was a big area in the middle mm-hmm. where yeah, you could either approach the main stage, which is where certain, I guess, panels of sort were, yeah, yeah. or you could, like, that could be sort of a, you could take a quick breather. <laughs> Right. I mean, one thing I liked over, I'll say, San Diego Comic-Con was the aisles were really wide. Yeah. Which is also means there weren't as many just, you know, exhibitors there. Yeah. But it was nice that you could actually, there was enough room to pass people by, usually. Yeah. Um, there were some things that I wouldn't consider Comic-Con-ish, <laughs> yeah. in a way. I mean, there was a big, uh, fairly large tattoo parlor set up. Yeah. I don't think of that as, I mean, I know people like tattoos. I don't personally, but um, it just seemed odd that there'd be that set up there. There was a thing about um, a different way to find, to get food. Uh, I, you know, we walked by a booth like that, yeah. and then there was something to do with, I still have no idea what they were doing. There were, we walked by, and there was this girl on a little tiny stage dancing, and uh, come dance with us, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, okay, that's not, I don't think of that as Comic-Con stuff. It's more of a, it seemed a little bit more like a flea market kind of environment in a way. <laughs> yeah. Um, there weren't really any big exhibitors there. No. None of the major labels were there. There were a few people actually selling comic books. Yeah. But not a lot. It was a lot of artists and um, the the downside of having that main stage in the middle of the floor was that if you're trying to talk to somebody who's boothed near that stage, you couldn't really hear them very well. Yeah. Um, or we were, yeah. We were trying to talk to uh, someone at one of the uh, Lee Walds at the uh, X-Men the Animated Series booth, and it was hard for them to... Yeah, to hear, hear what we were saying. We were, we were saying. like right up next to each other. Yeah. So very loud. 
Um, uh, I mean, it's it's kind of very democratic, I'll say, that there's this big <laughs> stage going on and everybody could see it who's going there. There's not that Hall H yeah. sense. But, um, it, it, yeah, if you're trying to talk to somebody within 30 yards yeah. of it, it's hard to talk. Uh, that main stage aspect kind of reminded me of D-Con, uh, Designer Con, because uh, what, the way they do panels is, like, uh, there's only, like, one area for panels and it's on the same floor as everyone else mm-hmm. and it's in the corner so it's like if you and that's usually not too crowded so it's like if you want to see this panel then just come right up okay yeah that, so it was kind of nice they had that there but again there was a kind of a downside to it yeah um and we we kind of walked around we saw somebody we knew yeah it was a guest of la comic con yeah and i was very happy that he recognized us yes that's kind of cool um, but yeah, we didn't. Uh, so, would you want to go back to LA Comic Con? Uh, maybe. Uh, I think I'd, I think if we did go back, we'd need to be a little more prepared. Mm-hmm. And would you want to table at LA Comic Con? Uh, it wouldn't be the worst place to table, right? Because okay. uh, it's it's still a fairly big convention, and it's. Uh, not too far away, right? Yeah, it would be with easier to do, and I, I don't know what the pricing would be. No, uh, we would need to investigate that. Yeah, we don't have too many lost leaders. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, if you have, if you've been to LA Comic Con or whatever, let us know. Yes, either in the chat or in the comments. <laughs> right. Um, so. Again, because we're sitting in front of a Christmas tree and because of Trophy Unlock's anniversary, we thought we'd talk about Christmas movies. Yes. And I guess there's we have about 40-something that we reviewed on the blog. Yeah. We have a, a Christmas review hub. Yes. In case you're watching and or listening and want to figure out what we're talking about, uh, where how would they find Trophy Unlocked? Trophyunlocked.blogspot.com. And um, you can look up Christmas and... We have a bunch of movies there. Yeah. So well, uh, let's talk about what makes up a Christmas movie. Yes. Um, well, the loosest definition, which I suppose the definition we go with, is if it takes place uh, during Christmas, then it is a Christmas movie. Yeah. In some cases, they're I'll, I'll, they call, they're called drive-by Christmas yeah. movies, uh, which we've also distinguished. Yeah. Red or, is kind of a drive-by. Yeah, because Christmas is in the background, but it's not a huge part of it. Well, yeah, but Chris, yeah, with Red, I think Christmas is like barely there. You yeah, know, it starts off, and I think that's the same thing with. Um, um, so there's a science fiction movie that we reviewed. Yeah, I'm trying to find uh, the thing. Uh, Things to Come, I think, kind of starts around Christmas. It doesn't have anything else to do with Christmas. The rest of the movie. No. So, uh, and there's always that question: Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Yes. And we have proof that it's a Christmas movie because there's a book that tells the Die Hard story as if it was uh, the night before Christmas. So yes, I encourage you to look for that if you can find it. Yes, uh, it's, uh, it's it's fun. So, um, so we have so we have movies that happen on, and then there's some that are kind of. Christmas, yeah, a lot of a lot of the movies we have on the on the blog, a lot of Christmas movies just take place like It's a Wonderful Life is not necessarily a ho 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 
you know, a guy's going to commit suicide. <laughs> um, but that takes place around on Christmas Eve. So, yes. And people watch it as a Christmas movie. Yeah. Now. Um, so do you have a favorite Christmas movie that we've reviewed? Uh, favorite one that we've reviewed. Or not uh, reviewed. Maybe we haven't reviewed your favorite Christmas movie. That's actually a good question. Um, looking at this uh, list that we've got here, and I guess uh, random reminder that Once Upon a Deadpool technically counts as a Christmas movie That's because right. of the uh, framing device. Right. That's Christmas. Yes. Um, there are... There are a lot of good choices. Here. We don't we don't have any uh, really I'll say religious films on here. No. Um, and you know Christmas is a religious holiday. Yeah. But sometimes you know that those kind of movies aren't really they're not shown as Christmas movies or, as much. Right. Uh, you know. So I, I just want to one thing that we did do is we've reviewed about six different or seven different versions of A Christmas Carol. Yes. The Charles Dickens. Uh, story that has never not been in print yeah. since it was published originally. Um, Which is very impressive. Right. So we have now watched a silent version, a 30s version, a 50s version, <laughs> an 84 version. Uh, we also uh, watched a, a movie called Scrooge from 1935, which is basically the story that is named the main character. And we watched the movie The Man Who Invented Christmas, which I think was pretty good, well done. The Man yeah. Who Invented Christmas is really well done. Yeah. Um, do you, and we've also are going to have eventually on the blog the review of Mickey's Christmas Carol. Right. So one thing that, and I actually did because we reviewed so many of these uh, movies. I read the book, which is a novella. It's not really hard to read. Yeah. And it's not you know in that kind of sometimes older books are kind of written you know they seem thick. Yeah. You know what I mean? This, this, I mean, I mean, like, oh, yeah. I don't want. Uh, this isn't that kind of a book. Um, and the movies basically are kind of they're they're doing a fairly good job of retelling it, honestly. Yeah. Um, I think there was something I read somewhere that uh, in the book it happens over three different days as opposed to one night, but I think it does happen in one night. Having read the book. So I think it does a fairly. They actually do a fairly good job, and some of them, as we like the the nineteen ten Thomas Edison version, <laughs> speed runs through the whole story. Yeah, and they'll concentrate on different parts of the story, and not necessarily give all the detail that's in the book. Right. Um, and so that's kind of, but they do seem to be retelling themselves. They're, re they're remaking the movie, not remaking the story. Yeah, I think that uh, if something gets adapted enough times, it seems to eventually happen where uh, people borrow from like the most famous uh, version of it as opposed to the source material, like uh, with most versions of, or most takes on uh, Wizard of Oz, mm -hmm. uh, everyone borrows at least somewhat from the M famous MGM version as opposed to digging more into the uh, original book. Right. Because that's the story you're familiar with. Yeah. And they're familiar with. Um, so we've also reviewed uh, something recently called 8-Bit Christmas. Yeah. Which was about... Uh, 
kid looking for a video game back in the 80s? Yeah, he was looking for uh, NES. All right. Yeah, actually the player, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, not just the game. Uh, so what did you think of that? Um, I thought for the most part it was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, like we had zero expectations going in and we just kind of watched it on a whim. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it was... Yeah, we noticed it was uh, a Christmas story mixed with uh, something else. Yeah. Um, escaping me right now. Yeah. But anyway. Um, but it is like very similar to a Christmas story in some yeah. ways. Yeah. It's kind of a yeah. It's kind of a modern version of a Christmas story, and it's it felt appropriate. Right. Uh, yeah. I can. Uh, even though I wasn't in, didn't go through like the same rush to get a video game console, except for maybe desperately trying to get a PS5. Right. <laughs> um, it was uh, relatable in that sense. Okay. Um, and Neil Patrick Harris was actually pretty good. Yeah. And uh, there's um different. Um, oh, uh, it was just the other movie it was like was Princess Bride. <laughs> okay. The right. Framing device. Right. Oh yes, very much like that. Yes. Uh, including the including uh like the kid doesn't uh want to hear the story but then they get really invested <laughs> right yes and thanks trevor for the uh yeah the note um so is there a so again do you have a favorite of the movies we reviewed or there, it doesn't have to be one either i have several that i i really like yeah um of the ones i'm seeing in front of me uh I really liked uh, the original Die Hard, uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the uh, original animated version. Right. Um, Miracle on 34th Street was that really was good. That, that, was, that was one of those surprisingly good. I mean, you heard about it your whole life, and I've seen they've done remakes of it, and we yeah. saw the original. And it was, yeah, it was pretty good. I really liked it. Uh, Very well done. And I also liked uh, Shop Around the Corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so that's that Which is. Which some of you might know as you got mail, right, <laughs> right, uh, or in the good old summertime if you're into musicals. <laughs> um, yeah, that's really good. That's really well done. Uh, I also like it happened on Fifth Avenue. Yeah, that's a really nice little story. It takes place within that week, basically. Yeah. Um, and of course, you also have the. You have it's a wonderful life. <laughs> yeah, which makes me cry every time. I watch it, and I don't want to watch it on NBC, no offense, but they take like four hours to tell the story. Yeah. It's not that long of a movie. I don't want to spend that much time with it, but when we do watch it, I, I get choked up every time I watch it. It's still effective. Right. Even though at the time it wasn't a big success when it was released. Um, Remember the Night is good. It's got the people from uh, Double Indemnity, yeah. Barbara Stanwyck and uh, Fred McMurray, uh, and it's uh, about a Sort of a local uh, DA, assistant DA in New York, going back to Indiana, and he has to, there's a, a shoplifter they put into jail, and he feels bad for her on Christmas Eve, so he bells her out and takes her with him. Yeah, and uh, it's a, it's a nice little homey Christmas story, and you know you kind of get all that kind of good feelings you're supposed to get from a movie like that. But then they would turn around and make Double Indemnity where they're murdering somebody. <laughs> that's the that's kind of the beauty of Hollywood films. The studios, you'd see stuff and go, and then those same people would be doing something totally different in the next movie or whatever. Yeah. Or you know. um, 
there are some movies like uh, the nice thing about the Christmas film, as, as we're defining it, is it doesn't have to. Uh, it can be, you know, uh, film noirs. Yeah. And there's a couple. One of the most famous one is Lady in the Lake, uh, which is all shot from uh, third part, third person perspective. I mean, the the art uh, it's from a first person POV. The main character you're seeing everything through his eyes the whole movie. Yeah. Which is kind of a cute but gets a little old, <laughs> um, you know, uh, storytelling technique. Yeah. I think, you know. Um, I, I, I like the story and all that. And it's not, it's, it could be, you know, as I say, there's sometimes when like she kisses him and stuff. I don't really want to see that from that <laughs> point of view. But uh, it's, a, it's a pretty good movie, too. Um, so yeah, if I had to, and then Holiday Affair was something. I, I uh, it's uh, Robert Mitchum and Jan Lee. Yeah. And um, that was actually, it was, uh, it was made to sort of soften uh, Mitchum's uh, persona because he had been recently arrested for marijuana possession back in when this film was made, which was a bigger deal than we think of it now, uh, for a star to be arrested for pot, and uh, they were trying to sort of soften his persona and so they put him into this sort of Christmas film and I think he did a pretty good job with it right um, and another movie I like um, is uh, The Bishop's Wife which has been remade as The Preacher's Wife if you uh, but uh, The Bishop's Wife is uh, David Niven and Cary Grant uh, and uh, blanking on the woman's name which is bad because she's in a bunch of movies. I feel really bad. But anyway, um, we're doing this off the cuff, so there's no notes. Um, and they actually, uh, one of it, it's an angel comes to visit a, a, a bishop who is in sort of that moment of, you know, crisis, personal crisis and needs help. And uh, they actually switch the roles. Cary Grant was supposed to be the bishop. Yeah. David Niven, the angel, and they started shooting that way and. Uh, they, uh, the producer went, no, this isn't working, so he flipped him back, so uh, or changed him up. Um, so that's 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 also a good movie, I think too. Uh, some movies, are like, there's a lot of like, oh, Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol is another take on the Christmas Carol. Yeah, with Mr. Magoo and <laughs> songs, uh, and and so uh, there's some TV stuff on our our uh, hub. Yeah, as well. Um, and then there's movies like The Thin Man that sort of takes place at the holidays. So, you know, it's not really a holiday film, but it does take place during that time. So yeah. we threw it in there. Holiday isn't really a Christmas film, but it takes place around the holiday, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, um, and then we recently posted Batman Returns. Yes. Because Christmas plays a big part in that film. Yes. It's sort of background yeah. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It takes place during Christmas. Right. So it is a Christmas movie. <laughs> right. um, we're also going to be in the next, just to continue for the next month, we're going to have three more movies that we'll be having up there. Yeah. Uh, including Little Women from 1933, which is the Catherine Hepburn version. Yes. Christopher Columbus. <laughs> and uh, Holly and the Ivy, which is a British film that takes place around the holidays. And finally, uh, We're No Angels, which yeah. takes place on Christmas Eve. Yes. And so it's a count. And Christmas is sort of, I mean, the dinner part of Christmas is in there. Yeah. It's got Humphrey Bogart and 
That's why I wanted to see it. Uh, as far as Christmas movies go, I will address uh, we, at the beginning of this. We okay. had someone in the chat bring up Home Alone. Um, I believe I saw Home Alone when I was a kid, so I don't remember too much of what happens in it. I, I have should probably rewatch that at some point. I have never seen Home Alone. All right. And not that I'm necessarily proud of that fact. It just, uh, it just sort of. You just haven't. No, and I just sort of, uh, I guess the whole premise seemed kind of weak to me that you would leave your child to go off to Europe. Just how that, how would that happen? And I know that's the whole premise of the film. Um, and these, you know, it just sort of seemed kind of like a not a great premise for me and I know they've made two or three of them since so he keeps being left at home apparently <laughs> <laughs> oops we forgot him again uh, but again I feel like at some point I should probably rewatch yeah. that uh, yeah it couldn't hurt and maybe we'll review it for the vlog maybe we will two or three years I mean we'll <laughs> have a little window it's only in December on Saturdays that we put up reviews of yeah. Christmas films Yeah. though on the 18th it's going to be what uh, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas <laughs> alright and that's going to be the 11th anniversary yes and how did you decide to pick that um well i was uh i got to a point where i was trying to figure out okay i need to do something and we i was my mind immediately went to like should play some kind of uh game for it mm -hmm. um and we decided i should play something that was iconic and I happened to have a uh, PS2 copy of San Andreas so I've been uh, plugging away at that for a couple weeks and uh, at the time of this recording I am really close to being done <laughs> just like the last uh, five missions um, yes yeah, so every every anniversary you've done a, 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 a review yeah and is this the first time you've done a game as the anniversary review? No, it is not. Okay. Uh, in fact, last year I did uh, The Last of Us Part Two right. as the tenth anniversary because of because that was a big it was a really big deal at the time. Uh, spoilers: I didn't uh, like it as much as everyone else did. <laughs> what? Okay. Um, for what I want to believe are legitimate reasons. Okay. Um, all right. So coming up again on this Saturday is going to be Holly and the Ivy, I believe. And then uh, the next Saturday is going to be your review of GTA San Andreas. Right. And then we get back to Christmas for the next two. Yeah. Right. Okay. Anything else you want to talk about? Um, I think that about covers it this okay. time. Some of the people to check out the blog. Yes, again, that's trophylock.blogspot.com. Okay. Next week we're having our December team meeting, so all the creators behind PowerSquared will be there. Yes. And so until next time, I'm David Hankins. And I'm Paul Hankins. And you've been on the air with PowerSquared. Squared. <laughs>